I am really excited about this morning, and I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for coming today. It's a fun day. We have our Easter egg hunt at about 11.45, and I'm excited about that, and uh, always love this time when our kids are running around, and uh, usually my grandkids are here. However, some are in Ohio and some are in Philadelphia, so I'll have to take a big basket and collect all the eggs for them, I guess. Uh, I'm glad you're here today on Palm Sunday to worship together. I truly hope today that every one of us that are here and have a heart that's open to God's Spirit will sense Him say something to, to us today. May God speak to us today about the heart of praise I want to draw our attention to praise. I want to do something different than I've never done before as a pastor. And you maybe have experienced and maybe you, you haven't today, but I want to focus together. Being together is also a special privilege today. Not just that we've come to worship and praise God individually, but we have come to this place to worship God together. And that's a great privilege and an honor to be together is a great gift that God gives us. And today, I welcome you. I welcome those that are part of our church family and those that may be visiting or come for the egg hunt. I welcome all those that are on the phone today. I can see names and, and some faces and numbers on the screen. And those that are listening from other places, you obviously, uh, if you're listening today, you won't be able to see some of the things we're doing, but we'll describe it. And uh, what a joy it is for each of us to worship God wherever we're at. And we have that privilege to honor him together. Worship is both an individual connection to God. And that's so important that you don't lose sight of the importance of you personally being connected to God. How important that is. When it comes from the heart, worship, however we worship, whatever method we use or Whatever our personality or temperament, when we worship God from the heart, something happened. There's a, a change, a transaction. There's something that goes from the heart of man to the heart of God. And he hears us and knows us. And I'm so thankful for that today. Our faith uh, together also reaches the heart of God. For God loves the church and he gave himself for it. And I'm so glad you're here this morning. Thank you for being here on Palm Sunday. I pray that you will be blessed and that you'll hear God speaking to you today. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different in a few minutes as we celebrate and we worship. Palm Sunday, we remember and we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday is the Sunday across the church, around the world, and there's all kinds of different traditions and different groups of Christians and places in the church that celebrate Palm Sunday in their own unique ways. But it is a time to think about all that Jesus did in his ministry, all the miracles he performed, all the incredible teaching that he gave, his compassion that he showed to people. And Palm Sunday is kind of a, a climax of those things at that point in time. So today we remember and we celebrate the wonder of who Jesus is 
We also know because we know the rest of the story that five days from that time and that moment of that triumphal into entry into Jerusalem, he was on the cross and he died for our sins. And so we have the opportunity to see both sides of that and today to worship him and celebrate him. I want to read from Luke chapter 19, verse 29 today. If you want to follow along in your Bible, it's one of four tellings of the kind of the whole story. And each one's just a little bit different of of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then I want to talk about four observations that I sense and I, I read when I read that story. Luke chapter 19, verse 29. Would you read along with me? Would you go to that next slide, please? Thank you. As he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it home. Or bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as they had been told. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. There are four things about this story that I want to mention this morning that get my attention got my attention as I was reading and preparing and thinking this week. Four things that especially came to my mind from this scene as Jesus and this crowd of people and the disciples and the Pharisees all came into Jerusalem. There are many things to look at, but today I want to mention four. The first is this. I noticed for the disciples of Jesus and for the crowds that they gave praise to Jesus with whatever they had. There's really only two things that they had that's identified in the four Gospels. The first is their cloaks, their coats, their outer garments. Somehow spontaneously as Jesus was coming down the path and down the road, there was this spontaneous response of, of, of those people. Well, if I pull my jacket off my microphone and go flying so I won't do that. I was going to but I didn't think about that till just now but you know if I just pull out my jacket and I would say here comes Jesus and I'd lay it down there right there in the middle of the path for the donkey to walk on and Jesus to come by I don't know why but that really got my attention this week as I was thinking about this story whatever they had they gave Whatever they had at their hand, at their disposal, they gave. And they just laid it out in praise of Jesus and worship of Jesus. Of course, the other thing was the palm branches. Think, well, 
Would they go to the store and buy them? No, they're all along the road. So they just pulled them off where they could. And they were waving them and they were laying them down for Jesus as he came through. And I thought, whatever they had, they gave in order to worship and praise Jesus. And I think of all the things that we have, do we give it to Jesus? Do we see our lives and what we've been given as a great privilege and an opportunity to praise Jesus? It just, it just struck me how the spontaneity of this, how they just took off their coats and they grabbed the palm branches, whatever they had, and they laid it down before Jesus. This was a response, of course, to the wonder of Jesus and the excitement that they felt in their hearts. Their time, their jackets, their whatever, they just gave it. I also notice here that there was great joy on this day. You can't help but feel the joy and the excitement as you hear this story. And it says, and that's the word, and the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God. In this case, in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. See, they had seen some incredible things. And they'd seen some incredible things very lately. Right before this, in the last chapter, in the book of John is described what what some think of, and I think of as maybe the greatest miracle Jesus performed up until, until he went to the cross. A man had been in the tomb for four days. His sister said, surely he stinketh. Jesus says, as he walks up to the tomb, Lazarus, come forth! And somehow, the great miracle of the raising of Lazarus, who had been dead, and these people had heard about it and seen it. See, the, the reference to Bethany in the first part of the story is where Lazarus lived. So here Jesus comes back through Bethany and all of his family, Lazarus, maybe Lazarus too, I don't know, but his family and all the crowd, they see Jesus come. Here he is. He's the one that's raised this man right here from the dead. And so they began to follow. They're excited. They're full of joy. And they believe They have this belief that Jesus is something special. They don't yet understand his mission, but they believe. Again, we have the second half of the story. We know what happens when Jesus goes to the cross and is raised from the dead. (coughs) How much more should we have of gratefulness and thankfulness to Jesus that died for our sins? They had seen the miracles. They had heard his teaching. So many things about Jesus they had seen and heard. Their praise was genuine based on what they had seen. And yet they didn't have very much compared to what we have in the fullness of the revelation of God and the stories and the miracles that he has brought in salvation to each one of us. It kind of strikes me that that these people, their praise was based on partial information. And what about our praise? We have so much more to see. We have so much more to, to read and listen to and focus on and dwell on and be thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and God's promises of, of his hand with us on the world. We have so much to be thankful for today. The fourth observation I want to make today is this, the incredible compassion of Jesus. 
the little last part of the story that I read here really is amazing and incredible. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it. Boy, with all the cheering and the the excitement and the praises and all the great things people were saying, what does Jesus say as he comes and he looks down into the city and he knows the condition spiritually of the people? If you, even you, had known for on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Jesus knew. Nobody else understood what was going on on this day, but Jesus knew. And with incredible compassion. We see it here. Two times that I, that I can, uh, that I've read that Jesus cries in his ministry. He may have many more times, I don't know, but only twice that I know of. The last time was at Lazarus' grave. When Mary and Martha were so upset and their friend had not come in time to heal their brother, And it says, simply, Jesus wept. And here again, almost the next story, Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he weeps. He wept because his death was was about far more than just fulfilling a prophecy from the past. His death meant we have eternal life when we serve him. The incredible truth of the compassion of Jesus is in this story too. That you and I understand how much God loves us and how far Jesus went so that we could have a relationship with God the Father. That's so much for us to praise Him. The crowd was reacting. And they were responding to what they had seen in Jesus. These incredible three years of ministry and miracles and all this. Little did they know, really, what was to come next. Little did they know that in five days, Jesus would be hanging on a cross. We know that part of the story. Our praise, if we choose to give it, if we choose in our hearts to embrace it, is a genuine response to who God is and what Jesus did when he went to the cross. Praise, if it's genuine and it honors God, is praise that remembers and sees the incredible gift that Jesus gave us when he went to the cross. Praise is such a privilege for each one of us, a response of faith to God. And we have so much to respond to. Our praise is a response of worship. It is giving back to God based on what we believe deep in our heart. Praise is a product of faith. When we hear God and we believe God, something will happen inside of us. Something will initiate. Something that will, we will respond to the word and the story of God, of how great God is. Our praise also reaches God's heart. Just as we read a couple of months ago how the prayers of God's people reach God in heaven, Revelation, also we're told that the praise of God's people reaches God. Kind of the same idea. When we pray, beyond a shadow of doubt, every prayer is heard by God. 
They're collected in a bowl in heaven. I can use human language to relate what Revelation says about our prayers. They're all taken up to God. They're taken up to God, literally. I, I think angels, they're taken up to God and they're placed in front of the Father in heaven who hears our prayers. And you know what else reaches God in the same way that Bible says is our praise does? When we acknowledge the wonder and the glory and the truth of God, God hears that. He knows it. He knows every prayer. He knows every praise. He knows what's going on in our hearts when we think about him and whether we are responding with faith or we're responding with a hard heart. We have the privilege to send our praise right to the throne of God. He hears it. Only an infinite God could do that. Only an amazing God like our God could possibly hear my praise. But he does. And there's so many scriptures about that. There's so many scriptures that talk about how God hears my praise. So many scriptures about praise. So many of them. Psalm chapter 22 verse 3 says this. <coughs> Here's just one of them. This one translation. He inhabits the praise of his people. Think of that. He inhabits the praise of his people. You know that when you praise God from your heart, do you know that God lives somehow? He lives in See, he wants a relationship with us. He wants to be close to us. Just like he walked with Adam in the cool of the day before sin came. He wants to be with you in your spirit, in your worship. He inhabits the praise of his people. God is worthy. Oh, he's worthy of our very best. God has done so much for us that he is worthy of the very best we can do to honor him. Whatever that is, to honor him. To put him on that first place. He is worthy. I read this quote sometime long ago. I have no idea who said it. But it kind of got my attention. And so I, I think I got it right. I'm not sure. But it said something like this. If we speak at all. Praising God should be the first thing we speak. Thought about that on a couple different levels. If we speak at all, our first words should be to praise our Creator. Because He is the one that's worthy of our praise and He gives us life. Psalm chapter 51 verse 15 says, Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You know who wrote that? You know, when it was written, it was written by King David after he had been confronted by the prophet Nathan with his horrible sin of murder of Uriah and uh, uh, adultery with Bathsheba, the prophet comes to him, says, confronts him, and David repents. Psalm chapter 51 is an incredible psalm. This verse is in it. Oh God, even after all that, oh God, 
May my mouth declare your praises. You know, praising God helps us to keep life straight. It helps us to keep the right perspective, the right balance, the right worldview, the right orientation on everything around us. Praise doesn't remove us from this life. It doesn't remove us from the pain or the problems or the challenges of this life. Praise gives us a different perspective of life and what God wants for every single one of us. Praise is a mighty force. It's powerful. It's powerful. It pleases God. It unleashes our faith. It heals. It helps. <coughs> praise is a mighty force. Our praise also influences each other. When we genuinely praise, whatever that is, we draw other people to God. Because it encourages people to seek God's Spirit. Again, not that we praise because we don't have any problems, we don't have any challenges, we don't have any hurt or pain. No. In the midst of life, praise is a language that we say to ourselves, to others, and to God of what we believe and who we are. And the depth of our true faith and belief that He is our Redeemer and He is our friend. He's the one that stood looking over Jerusalem and wept. He's the one that went to the cross and died for our sins because he loved us so much. Our praise has an influence, has an influence on our family, our children, parents today. Your attitude about praise will affect greatly your children's belief about God. What they will come to believe about God will be, in part, very much related to your attitude and your spirit about praise. Your whole perspective about life, about God, about problems, about the future, when your heart is given to God and your children see that, that will build a foundation. No one else can praise God for you. No one else. Your wife can't. Your mother can't. No one else can praise God for you. There's quite a contrast in this story between the crowd and their joy and the Pharisees in verse 39. Verse 39 says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Oh, man. Talking about hot and cold. <coughs> Quite a contrast. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Can you 
just picture them? Can you picture these souls of God? Stoic, stubborn, unbelieving, maybe fearful. Maybe they really lack that greatest gift that God wants for all of us, to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe it was a matter of a lack of faith, faith really, in God, who he is, what he is. But can you just teach or rebuke your disciples? Here's all this expression of worship, of praise and admiration for what Jesus had done in, in bringing Lazarus forth from the grave. And their response is, teacher, rebuke your disciples. There's something about this truth that no one can praise you that seems very strongly affirmed in those four words, teacher, rebuke your disciples. What's the problem here, Pharisees? What's the problem, oh, you righteous, or you, you, I mean, you, you religious people who are struggling and haven't gotten it yet? I mean, I don't want to be too hard on the Pharisees. You know, there's part of Pharisaism in me. And I wonder if, if, all of us might have to sometimes ask that question. What's inside of me when I respond to God? A failure to give God the glory is a heavy loss to your soul. You lose so much when your heart is not responding in praise to God. Teach or rebuke your disciples. What's the problem here? <coughs> Jealousy, maybe? Pride, maybe? Negativity, maybe? Bitterness, oh. Oh, how bitterness can rob us. The hurts and the pain, the struggle can rob us. Satan can use that to rob us of the joy that comes with knowing and believing the wonder of who God is. No one can praise God for you. So I tell you, Jesus said, when he responded to them, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Only Jesus could compare me to a rock. How do you like being compared to a rock? How wise Jesus was when he said that. Man, this is one of hundreds of things Jesus said that are so deep and wise. Just if you sat down and just those words focused on that, oh, God could teach teach me and teach us so much. Even the rocks will cry out. 
you know, the commercial the last few years, what's in your wallet? What's in our hearts today? Is there anything that God needs to come in and wash out? Anything that would keep us from praising him, however we do that? Is there anything that is worth leaving in our soul and our spirit and our mind and our bodies that would keep us from being uninhibited to praise God, however God puts it in you to do? Is there anything in your life that is more important to leave unattended and to create a negative spirit, then today it would be good to release it to God. Say, God, I don't want anything to keep me from seeing you for who you are and celebrating you with all that I am. Not because somebody's telling you that you have to, but because it's best for your soul to let it go, especially the bitterness. I'm afraid there's way too much bitterness that can linger in the heart of God's people about things. Hurts from the past. People that have offended Disappointment with the way life's gone. You know, we all have that. And when we are able to give that to Jesus, say, Jesus, cleanse that out. Take it away. As David wrote, the same one I, I read from a little bit earlier, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. If salvation is not joyful, it's... Oh, it's deeply missing. Is your salvation joyful today? Is there something that you just might need to give to the Lord and say, Lord, would you take this? I don't want that to keep me from having joy. I said a couple of minutes ago that praise is so important because we have influence with other people. This is so true. It's not the only thing. I'm not saying it's the biggest thing. <coughs> One of the things that I've read in surveys with non-Christians about the church is too many times they see Christians who have no joy. They can talk about a lot of other problems. They really don't talk about the joy in their heart because of what Jesus has done. Oh, God wants to make us people who are full of joy. <laughs> What's in your heart today? I want today to be a time that we can pray about and think about a little bit our hearts, our hearts of praise. I'm going to ask you to do something I've never asked you to do before. We're going to have in a few minutes a parade of praise. What I want to happen in that is those that are able to and willing, I'm going to ask you to stand up and uh, we're going to circle around. Maybe we'll start in the front rows and just circle around the back and get you a palm branch. If you're able to physically and you're willing to. 
then I want you, as we make everybody's circles around, we're going to have a parade. And I just want to invite everybody in the church to come to the front and lay your palm branch on this table. And while you're walking, say, God, is there anything inside of me that you want to change? Is there anything, God, that's keeping me from being that joyful Christian that you want me to have? You want me to be? Some of you probably self-recognize some things going on inside of you. You might not know what to do about it. But I want to invite you to use today as a time of prayer and giving to God your praise, your heart, your life, your needs, your worship, your faith. If you're here today, (coughs) you've not yet come to a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to come. Have an open spirit. What would God say to you? Do you understand how much he loves you? Maybe on the way up here, it's a time to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm bringing my heart and my life. I'm going to invite all of you. Debbie's going to play. I'm going to invite everybody in this building who can hear me. And we'd start here in the front. You guys just go out to the side and go around. Just keep going. We're going to do a parade. Let's have fun. Let's have joy. You might want to be loud. You might want to sing along with this song. Or you might want to be very quiet. It's not your volume that matters. It's your heart. I just want to invite you to have a joyful time with God today. Those that are able to, if you're not able to, we'll bring you a palm right where you're at. But you guys start out and just keep moving. Come along and celebrate. I am going to have a microphone right here. And if anybody has a praise and you just want to celebrate it today, you're welcome to, to share it with the rest of the church family today. All of you, come on down up there if you can come join us if you're in the nursery i don't know if you can hear me but in the foyer let's all praise god today